Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. We're beginning a series in the Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael and his son, Pastor Shane, and the subject matter is probably best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon 3, 6 through 5, 1, called Behold, the Bridegroom is Coming. This is Proverbs 5, 18. It says these words, Let your fountain be blessed, And rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. Listen. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. So once you have committed to a person The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7 that their body belongs to you and your body belongs to them. And it's important to know that you can enjoy one another's bodies inside the covenant of marriage. God has set it and he blesses it and it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's something that he designed. And if you celebrate that intimacy within the the marriage bed, God blesses it. Purity and pleasure, this may shock you, go together. Purity and pleasure go together. When you do things right, your pleasure gets higher. They've done all these surveys of people who live together and they say, oh, how can I really know if, you know, we, uh, we, we've got it, you know, clicking unless we live together. And all the surveys come back over the last three decades that people who have lived together prior uh, to their marriage covenant and have had uh, sexual relations. There's more abuse. There's more divorce. It just doesn't go well. Now, the Bible told us that a long time ago, but we think we're smarter than God. So I would just tell you, don't live with someone before you have a commitment because you're playing like you're married and you're not married and you have no covenant, and you have no blessing from God, and you're going to get everything that goes with it. God will not bless it. Now, I will say this to you. Many of us have done it the wrong way, right? And we learned, and and we had to grow, and we had to start over in Christ, and his mercies are new every morning and every evening. You can start again in Christ. But if you know what you know right now, then don't do it the wrong way. And don't give yourself to a man before a wedding night. Because one of the great gifts that you can give to your future spouse is your virginity. I'll say it again. One of the great gifts that you can give to your future spouse is your virginity. Now, that's not always the case. But you can recommit to it. Here's an example. If you're living with someone, sometimes we will have a couple come in and they say, I'm living with this person, but I want to make it right. And we'll say something like this. Okay, so what's your wedding day? They'll say March. We'll say, we'll say, okay, so don't be intimate until March, until your wedding day, and one of you needs to move out. <gasps> what? Well, let's put our money where our mouth is, right? If you say you're committed and you want to make this right, then let's make it right in every respect. <gasps> oh, well, financially, uh, that's going to hurt a little. Good. Maybe you need to move up the wedding day then, right? Well, 
We've been being intimate. Now we need to stop? Yes. Why? Because you've done it out of order. And you need to get things in order. (laughs) Can we see another pastor? Is there anybody else that we can talk to around here? (laughs) Now, he wants to love her until the cool of the day, verse 6. Until the day breaks, NIV. He wants to love her all night long. When the shadows flee away, he says, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. These are metaphors. I think you can put them together. He wants to be with her. And he says, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no blemish in you. Sometimes when we grow up in a Christian context, we hear about sex and it's no, 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 no. And then on the wedding night, it's yes. And we're like, how do you prepare for such a thing? And how do you know what the expectations are? And and it could be a bit overwhelming. And I think reassuring one another verbally is a good thing. He's reassuring her that he loves her that he sees her as beautiful. This needs to be an ongoing thing, by the way. There's no blemish in you. The church of Christ is without spot or blemish, not because we're perfect, we're sinners, but he's made us spotless. He's made us unaccusable before the Father because we have the righteousness of the Son. And throughout every season of life, we need to tell our bride, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. Now, he says, come with me from Lebanon, probably where her home was near, my bride. May you come with me from Lebanon, journey down from the summit of Amana, the high places where there's perhaps snow and mist, scary places, from the summit of Sinair and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards, probably representative of her fears. And he says, don't be afraid, come with me. Jesus has come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest. I'm going to provide for you, honey. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. I want to say as I look out at you that I'm sorry if it didn't go that way for you. I know we live in a divorce culture as well, and some of you have come off a very hurtful, broken relationship, and I'm sorry that it went that way. But there's always a chance to start again in Christ. And he's saying, look, I'm going to protect you. Don't be afraid. I will demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. I'll be a gentle shepherd. You've made my heart beat faster. Nine, my sister, my bride. Sister is not that they're related, but it's a way to say they're close. It's a familial term. She's his bride, but he considers her her sister. And I will pause to say to you, Men, that this is something I heard from a wise man some years ago, and he said this, Michael, that your bride is also your sister in Christ, and she is also the daughter of the king. And when I return Brenda Lance to my king, I want to make sure that I've taken good care of her. Now, I know that that's not going to be perfect, but I hope and pray she's better than she was before <laughs> she met me. Amen. <laughs> Did you hear that? She said, amen. <laughs> Praise God. You guys capture that on video? Okay, good. But I, I do think that the way we treat our bride needs to be commensurate with the way Christ loves his church. And some of you say impossible, and you've dismissed the verse because you don't think you can do it. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Gentlemen, we're to love our wives as Christ loves his church. And wives... 
Your job is to respect and submit to your husband. And when those two things happen, there's a beautiful symmetry in marriage because both are giving their best to God's design. The problem is when it's out of whack. And so he says, how beautiful you are. He, he says, uh, let's go back to verse 9. You've made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes. Oh, there's some goo-goo-ga-ga eyes going on. With a single strand of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine. It won't sour. It won't have ill effects, says Spurgeon. And the fragrance of your oils and all kinds of spices. Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Now, if you thought the French in, uh, invented the French kiss, you're wrong. It goes all the way back to the Hebrew song of Solomon. And he says, under your tongue is the promised land. Milk and honey. Yeah. It is biblical to have a long, sweet, wet kiss. Go ahead and mine for those treasures. (laughs) In your marriage. In Jesus' name. Like, why did I come to church today? I didn't know this was going to... Anyway. The promised land is spoke of as a place of milk and honey in Exodus 3, verse 8. Kissing and touching are a part of intimacy. And you have to be careful with kissing. If you're courting someone right now, uh, you might want to hold hands, but you might want to be careful with the kissing thing. Here's why. Kissing in Hebrew means... Brenda? What? To kindle. So if you do a, uh, let's call it a Hebrew Song of Solomon kiss, it can kindle things. So you just need to be careful. Some of you are courting someone right now and you want to kiss, and I'm not telling you that the Bible says you shouldn't kiss, but I think this kind of kiss should be reserved until you're ready for a wedding night. Just some thoughts to share. I'm not being dogmatic on it, but you just need to think about it. See, because she is a garden locked, is my sister, 12. She's a virgin. My bride, a rock garden locked, a spring sealed up. All the language points to the fact that she hasn't been with a man yet. She's been a locked garden. It's been hands off until now. But the now has come, and it's going to be an explosion of metaphors. And here's what it says, 13 through 15. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits, henna with nard plants, 14. Nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, along with all the finest spices. You are a garden spring, a well of fresh water, and streams flowing from Lebanon. And all God's people say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all this, an explosion of metaphors, but... They have come to the moment of consummation. (laughs) And they are excited. And you can't help but be excited for a newly married couple to experience that oneness and that that, uh, beautiful love. And so they have come to that moment of consummation. And she now speaks. She says, awake, O North Garden, a strong wind. North wind, I should say. And come with the the south, the wind of the south, a more gentle wind. There can be in lovemaking, sometimes, you know, stronger, sometimes gentleness, but it should be mostly gentle. I'll leave it there. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener-supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now back to the Walk in Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for younger children. Here's Pastor Michael. And aloes, along with all the finest spices, you are a garden spring, a well of fresh water, and streams flowing from Lebanon. And all God's people say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all this, an explosion of metaphors, but they have come to the moment of consummation. <laughs> and they are excited. And you can't help but be excited for a newly married couple to experience that oneness and that, that, that uh, beautiful love. And so they have come to that moment of consummation. And she now speaks. She says, awake, O North Garden, a strong wind. North wind, I should say. And come with the the south, the wind of the south, a more gentle wind. There can be in lovemaking sometimes, you know, stronger, sometimes gentleness. But it should be mostly gentle. I'll leave it there. Make my garden breathe out fragrance. Let its spices be wafted abroad. May my beloved come into his garden and eat its choice fruits. Now in 2.7, it says, I charge you, O daughter of, of Jerusalem, by the gazelles of the does of the field, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. 3.5 says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Now look at verse 16. Awake, O north wind. (laughs) She's like, okay. (laughs) It's been locked. It's been no. It's been wait. And now it's okay. (laughs) Awake. It's time. And so they have come together. And they have consummated their relationship. So in 5.1, there's the after moment, and it's the final verse. I have come into my garden. You'll see my nine times. She is mine, I am hers. My sister, my bride, I have gathered my myrrh with my balsam. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine and my milk. We'll pause there for a second. Nine mys after the fact. Women were surveyed and they said after lovemaking, they would really appreciate it if their husbands would softly spend time with them and caress them and they would just hold each other and talk. If you are together in that way and then it's, you're out the door, it can send a message. 
and it's the wrong message. This is a time to rejoice and reflect and to reassure one another as best as you can. I was reading a woman uh, who commented on this, and she said these words, quoting, loving my husband can become an act of worship to God. As my husband and I lie together, satiated in the afterglow of sexual ecstasy, the most natural thing in the world is for me to offer thanksgiving to my God for the beauty and the glory of our sexual joy. I don't even think about it. I don't even think about what I'm doing in my heart. My heart just turns to the Lord and offers praise. Truly his gift of intimacy is a wondrous thing, she says. Her natural response is to know that there's a third party in their bedroom. And that's okay because God actually blesses the sexual union. And he is there because he lives inside, obviously, a couple who knows the Lord. And it's good. In fact, most scholars believe the voice at the end of 5.1 is the voice of God. And here's what he says. Eat, friends. Drink and imbibe deeply. Drink your fill, NIV, O lovers. The ESV has it this way. Be drunk with love. And there's a good majority of scholars that believe that that's where the Lord speaks here and says, this is good and get more and more and more of it in the right setting in the context of covenant marriage. I was listening to Pastor Tommy Nelson. He's done a great job on the Song of Solomon. And he said to the congregation who heard the message, what do you do after a message like this? How do you close it? And he said, James 1.22 comes to mind. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers only (laughs) who delude yourselves. Let me qualify if you're married. (laughs) All right. Now we are going to move into a time of communion. And I told you that might seem a little awkward. However, communion anticipates the time when our bridegroom is coming. We remember the dowry he paid for us. We also remember that he's coming for us again in his love chariot to sweep us up. And we remember the Lord's death until he comes. So you can come forward, guys and gals, with the communion elements. Would you hold them and we'll take them together? Let me just say, uh, in a room like this, I don't know if all of you are Christians. I know many of you, if not most of you, but you may not be a believer yet. And uh, if you're not, the way you come into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ is you have to say, I do or I will. There is a proposal on the table. And the proposal is, will you marry me? Will you come into covenant with me? I paid the dowry at the cross with my blood. Will you trust me? But you have to have a moment, if you're watching via live stream, you and I have to have a moment where we say, I do, I will. I will turn away from all other competing loves. I will turn away from all the idols that have been in my life and my heart all the things that have distracted me from my true love. And I will turn to that true love. And I will trust him as my king, savior, God, and in this metaphor, my husband. I will come into a covenant, the new covenant with him. Have you done that? Don't leave this world without making sure that you know the one who loves you the one who loved your soul so much he died for you. Amen? And I know that the room is filled with so many people who have said, I will, I do to the king. But if you're not sure that you know him, then make sure. 
He is, he is a prayer away. So go ahead and just keep holding the elements. Father, thank you for this precious congregation and for this time in the Song of Solomon. I know that there could be a myriad of emotions to this message, Lord, and I pray that whatever those emotions may be, we would lay them at the feet of Jesus, our great God and Savior. Lord, if there's hurt, some people may be celebrating, some may be hurt. Some may feel a sense of loneliness. I pray in every area where there's a gap, you would meet that need for those who are widowed or widowers, for those who are single and have the gift of singleness, for those who have been waiting for the right person for a long time, for those who have maybe made a mistake in this area. I pray that you would meet every need, every gap. May your grace flow into every gap. But for all of us who know the beauty of what it means to belong to you, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for loving us so beautifully. Thank you for calling us to yourself so gently. Thank you for paying the, the price of the dowry so completely. We're just in awe of your love. And thank you for a day when we're going to celebrate at the wedding marriage of the Lamb. And thank you that the best is yet to come. The life to come, there's going to be depth and pleasures at your right hand forevermore that far outweigh this life. And we have that to look forward to. And and for those who have lost a loved one in the Lord, there's a reunion coming, a resurrection. We're going to see our loved ones again. And you'll wipe away every tear from our eyes and It may well be, Lord, that where you do that is at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Oh, God, thank you. We have messed up this world, but you came on such a beautiful rescue mission, inviting us to the mercy seat of love. We're just so grateful. You've been listening to Behold, the Bridegroom is Coming, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 6 to chapter 5, verse 1. As always, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then our hope is they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. We know we've been talking about imagery that is on a higher plane or a spiritual plane, and we talk about the bridegroom is coming. And when we think about the higher plane, we're talking about Jesus Christ, our great bridegroom coming again for his bride. And brethren, for 2,000 years, the church has been teaching the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not know when he's coming. We were told by Jesus that there are signs of the times. And when we take the overall uh, prophetic side of scripture, We certainly know that the Lord is coming. There's different views on his coming and timing and 
timing of the rapture and all of that. But what we would say is Jesus is coming again. Therefore, we live getting ourselves ready for his return, or if we go to be with him before he comes, either way, life is preparation to meet our bridegroom. And if you can look at it that way, at least that's part of what it's about. I think that's a good way to live your life. Well, we're so glad that you've been listening to the Song of Solomon right here on Walk in Truth. And I pray that you tell a friend about what you're hearing. And if your heart hurts a little bit because your marriage is not at a great place and you need some help, we've been giving a number out, 844-48-TRUTH. We're here Tuesday through Friday in SoCal, Southern California during normal business hours. That is 844-48-TRUTH. And so I pray that you'll take advantage of that. You can also submit prayer requests through the web at walkintruth.com. We'll see you right here tomorrow for more in the Song of Solomon. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner? Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast and with the -the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2 through 6, 3, called Wisdom in Time of Conflict. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.